Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me. Uh, as you can tell, it's a little different today. Uh, I actually had my computer crash. Can you imagine? Uh, crashed this last Saturday morning. That's twice that I've had a computer crash on a Saturday morning before. And so uh, the good news is there's a lot of different ways to do things. The bad news is sometimes it's hard to figure out what the best way to do it is and where to go next. And particularly uh, with things like this, these podcasts, and I've actually got Bible studies online and I teach piano lessons online. And so I'm having to go to plan C and D on several of these things and just hoping that they actually turn out and they actually work. So we'll see what this sounds like. Um, if it's too bad, well, we'll, we'll tough through it, right? Uh, I actually want to look at one verse today out of the book of Jude, okay, what we've been looking at of late. Uh, but I think we do well to back up and refresh our memory because it's going to bring us to a little bit of a conclusion of a line of thought. If you remember, Jude was writing to uh, some fellow believers, and these fellow believers were Jewish in background. And I believe that because of the examples that he gives, the way he talks to them. Uh, he shares things with them that he's assuming that they automatically would have known. And he's telling them, he says, you know, I really wanted to write about our common salvation, but I felt the necessity to write to you uh, and appealing to you to contend earnestly for the faith. Okay. Now, why was that? Well, certain people had crept in. Now, they had crept in unnoticed. That gives us some insight into this thing. Nobody knew this was really happening. They would have assumed and would have thought, hey, these folks are great. They're just like us. They've been saved. They've been born again. But Judah's saying, no, these folks have crept in. And these folks are going and are condemned. As a matter of fact, they were marked out for this condemnation long beforehand. They are ungodly people. So we know that they're not truly saved. We know they're not a part of the organism of the body of Christ. They're part of the organization. They're hanging out with the group. They're hanging out with the gang. Okay? But he calls them ungodly. And then he tells us why. They turn the grace of our God into licentiousness. In other words, they're saying, oh, you can sin all you want to. You can do whatever you want to because God's grace will cover everything. Well, as Paul would say over in the book of Romans, may it never be. We don't assume upon such. We don't presume upon such. So that's what they were doing. They're turning the grace of God into licentiousness. And then they deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And you know, sometimes people are shocked to find that that is true today, that particularly within the organizational church, you will find leaders throughout mainstream denominations that absolutely reject that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. They deny that he is our only master and Lord. So that's the problem these ungodly people were doing. They're turning the grace of God into licentiousness, and they're denying that Jesus is the only master and Lord. So Jude gives some examples about what's going to happen to them. He tells us what's going to happen by giving examples. He says, you remember uh, when God saved his people out of Egypt, he still destroyed the ones that didn't believe. Remember the angels that didn't keep their proper domain in Genesis 6? He said he's got them bound in eternal darkness until the day of judgment comes. And then he ties that into Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? How they uh, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh? He says, well, there's an example of what's going to happen with the punishment of eternal fire. He said these same men do the same thing. <coughs> he said they do it by dreaming. They defile the flesh and reject authority. And they revile angelic majesty. 
And then he gave an example of that reviling angelic majesties. He said, Michael the archangel, when he was arguing, disputing with the devil over the body of Moses, he didn't dare pronounce a railing rebuke or a railing judgment against Satan. He said, the Lord rebuked you. So if Michael and all of his position and power did not do that, how dare we do this? But these men do this. They revile things that they don't understand. They, and they live by instinct. They're like unreasoning animals. And they're going to be destroyed by these things. And then, remember he told us, woe to them because they've gone the way of Cain. The way of Cain is simply trying to approach God in your own way, in your own volition, the way you want to. You want to approach him and worship a particular kind of way. You want to be, quote unquote, saved in right relationship with him the way you want to. He says you can't do that. And he said they go the way of the era of Balaam. In other words, they do it for the money. It's all for the money. And they perish in the rebellion of Korah because they reject God and the leadership that the Lord has brought. So he gives a lot of details about what these men are like. He said they're hidden reefs in your love feast. They feast with you without fear. They care for themselves. They're like clouds that don't have water. It gets carried along by winds. They're like autumn trees that don't have fruit. They're doubly dead. They're uprooted. He said they're like the wild waves of the sea and casting up their own shame like foam. They're like wandering stars. And then he said these guys were written about by Enoch. He said, remember Enoch, the seventh generation of Adam? He prophesied about these guys. And he said the Lord will come with many thousands of holy angels. This is what Enoch was saying. To execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly for all their ungodly deeds which they've done in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him, against the Lord. Four times in verse 15, he says ungodly, 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 ungodly. <coughs> so we see what these guys are like. Now the last verse, verse 16. These men are grumblers. And let me hasten to say, it's not just limited to, to men, okay? They're grumblers, finding fault following after their own lust. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. So what do these men do? They're following their own lust. They're going after what they want. And they're seeking to gain an advantage. How do they gain that advantage? Oh, by flattering people. By speaking arrogantly. Okay. How do they follow their own lust? They find fault with people. They grumble, they mumble. And so you see a twofold thing that's happening right here. They're seeking to undermine the true body of Christ by grumbling, finding fault with folks. But the real motivation behind that is their lust. But then they're looking to look really, really good by speaking arrogantly and flattering people. Now, verse 17, we'll pick up verse 17 the next time. But I just want you to hear the first two or three words. But you, beloved. Oh, there's the, the big word, but. In other words, we've seen all these things about these guys from uh, verses, what, 2 or 3 through verse 16. But now he's going to give a little comparison. But you, beloved, the ones that have been called, the true believers. And then he's going to show us what we're supposed to be doing. He's going to show us what to do in these situations. You know, we need to keep in mind that these folks, these men that are doing this, these are tares in the midst of wheat. And the great thing about the gospel and salvation is that there's times when the tear becomes a wheat. 
Okay? Remember uh, when this that example came up, Jesus gave that parable, and the disciples are saying, we need to rip all the tares up. He said, no, no, don't do that. If you do that, you're going to bring harm to the wheat also. Just trust and rest in the fact that in the last days when that comes, I will send forth my send forth my servant, and they will bring forth their winnowing sickles, and they will bring forth the harvest, and they will bind them together, and they will cast them into the lake of fire. But there are times when a tear becomes a wheat, and that's what we pray for, and that's what we desire. So anyway, we'll pick up the, uh, the next verse, verse 17, the next time. Thank you. I hope this turns out okay and sounds good. We'll find out, right? Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again later. Bye-bye.